I was finally doing it. This time, I was going to learn. To practice unique and powerful skills honed over centuries. Today you'll hear of how I learned the first skill of the Keepers of Alteria. Hi everybody, this is Avi. Sorry for the wait. There was a second lockdown in Israel which uh, prevented my training. They've lifted the lockdown. The government lifted it um, a week or so ago and a lot has happened. So uh, buckle up. Before we start, I'd like to um, thank quickly to the band Cabinet and Patrick Biondo for letting me use their song Silver Sun in this podcast. Don't forget to check them out on Cabinet Music. Com. I arrived at the fort, the Israeli fort, Sunday of last week to begin my keeper training with Ellie, the Israeli keeper. And <clears throat> to make up for the lost time, she asked me if I would do the intensive training schedule. That's the fastest training scheme that they have. It meant sleeping there and have four or five sessions per day, uh, per 24 hours, instead of the usual, <clears throat> the usual two. When I agreed, she asked me, um, how did it go? Are you sure this is your last chance to decline? Once you are in, I will not allow you to give up. I said that I was willing, but on one condition. I wanted to see the evidence um, that they, they claim they have. I picked the right side. You know, an Australian keeper disappeared. I want to know... Um, which is which in this fight. So she pointed uh, at the door and she said that if by the end of that week I could open that door, my doubts would vanish. And the reason that... Well, let, let me before before we go to that, let me first do uh, talk about the training first and then you'll understand what's going on with the door. So... A keeper has three skills, conductivity, control, and change. Conductivity is the ability to transfer force through the body, even immense amounts of force, without any damage. Um, control is the precise direction of that force through the body. And change is the ability to perceive force variation, to, 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 to quantify immediately in your head and intuitively how much force is applied and when, and then to act on changes, to change as in the verb. So that, that, that's conductivity, control, and change. Those are the three skills of a keeper. And those three skills are the base for everything <clears throat> and anything a keeper does or might have to do. From protecting the gate, fighting enemies, and to actual force operation. And that's where the door comes in. Because some doors, not the toilet door, but some doors um, are actually moving um, significant parts of the uh, fort itself, the building moves. And 
that requires um, a fair amount of force to operate. When I say force here, I don't mean the Star Wars force, like the imaginary force. I mean actual physics force, the thing that makes objects move. And the reason that you have this kind of big movable walls and portions of the fort is that each fort is uh, one giant hydraulic machine, like uh, like an excavator. And a good example is a carjack, actually, where you have not every carjack, but but the one where you have on one side, you have a lever. And on the other side, you have this uh, pole that comes up and lifts the car. And that pole, you move it a lot and it pushes a liquid. And that liquid pushes the, uh, the, the pole up and lifts the car. And so you, you apply a, a lot of smaller amounts of force over a long distance with the lever. And that uh, transfers something very heavy, a small amount of distance, right? Small distance. And so that's, uh, the fort is just basically a, a giant carjack that has many levers and many endpoints. And the hydraulic liquid inside, actually, that makes all of this work is substanced water, which is the water that the founders of the Alteria Trading Company brought from Alteria, that if you drink it, it, it alters alters you uh, because it has a substance. Never mind. Listen to the last episode um, for more on that. Um, so that's the liquid that they use to operate the, the fort machine. The fort, the fort. Don't call it. They don't call it a machine because it's a, it's a building. Um, so, my task for the following days was to be good enough in conductivity to be able to train by myself without any supervision. And so I went to give the door a shot and see. You no, know, maybe I'm a natural. I am not. I am not a natural. I grabbed the handle. I gave it a few desperate tries. And everyone who happened to be there just bursted out laughing because I couldn't, I couldn't move it. And I asked them if the, I didn't ask them because I thought I'm getting it wrong. I, I asked them if the door is a push or a pull, but it just made everyone laugh harder. Oh, I should mention who all those people are. A fort has a crew of about 30 people in various roles, and they can be a direct assistance to guarding the gate to Alteria or they could cook the food or clean the premises. All of them can operate the fort to a certain degree, though there are some parts of it that only a keeper can operate, or a crew member that's as, as skilled as a keeper. Some crew members are in fact as strong as a keeper, but they just have a different job. The first step in connectivity training is formation. That is the most important step. I cannot tell you how it works or how to do it, but I can tell you two things. One, it's, it's the, th- the formation is the physical arrangement of your body that allows you to transfer force to it without, without joints or bones bearing any load. And two, it hurts so, so bad. It hurts very bad. It is immediate pain. The second you arrange your body in formation and you do the stand, uh, you just feel it. It's just instant. I could not last even four seconds. And I would not have agreed to an intense schedule, um, which is four or five sessions a day of this, if I knew that the, ba- that the pain was that intense to begin with. That, that's, 
that was something. And that's why that's why Ellie warned me. And that's also when I understood her role better. Because more than teaching the actual material, the role was to make sure that I go where I wouldn't go myself. You know, to push me to do it. By Monday night, I could keep my formation for seven seconds, which is apparently some sort of a, of a milestone or a checkpoint. And Ellie then took me to a training room about the size of a basketball court. It was covered end-to-end by puffy mattresses, except for one stripe portion, stripe portion of the wall, and a little bit of the floor adjacent to it. That portion was a spring wall. It's a wall that you can push, and it springs back when you let go. And it has resistance levels you can set, going from minus 50 to 50. Zero is the wall's weight with no extra spring resistance. Positive numbers are resistance for pushing the wall, and negative numbers reverse the action. The wall becomes recessed, and you have to pull it out. When you let go, it goes back in. Even in zero resistance, it's still a wall. No one can push that without proper formation training. And after acquiring some formation, it is the perfect learning tool. Remember, formation is not about generating force, but about transferring huge amounts of it through the body with no damage. So where does the force come from? And the answer is the floor. Conductivity has a lot of floor interaction. And the training here is to use conductivity to make the floor push the wall by bracing in a certain way against both the floor and the wall. Now, I could push the wall at zero resistance with no issue, but Ellie forbade me to do any pushing. And the reason is, well, let me first talk about the reason that the room is filled with, covered with, with with mattresses, with these puffy mattresses. And that reason is that from a certain resistance level, if a person loses grip on the floor, then the sprung wall can throw him or her all the way to the other side of the room, depending on on how high the level is set. However, I am so inexperienced that I could mess up my formation mid-push, not lose grip of the floor, but mess up my formation. And if my formation is gone, that that force would, wouldn't send me flying. My hands will collapse and the wall will crush my skull. So pulling it is. <laughs> I would, uh, I would need, um, to master the spring wall at a resistance level of 15. That was my, tar- my target. And so I started with reaching minus 15 with pulling and pulling is much harder than pushing. And it's just less intuitive, especially when you have, you have to push to the floor rather than the usual, you have to, so you have to pull to the floor rather than the usual lean back pull. Because if you pull something very heavy, you just lean back all the way and say someone cuts, uh, if you're pulling a rope and someone cuts it, you're going to fall back. This is not the case here. Here you're pulling to the floor. So if you're pulling something, it has to go do a 90 degrees down when it reaches your body, if you imagine the vector of the force. Um, not to get too technical here, it's just, it's difficult to pull, okay? It's difficult. Now, Ellie was always at the room with me. She was watching, and 
people came in and out and asked their questions and, and you know laugh at my pain it was very entertaining to everybody because pain because remember to pull or to push one must be information information is very painful and so it, it's very entertaining to them to see uh to see my pain during this um and so they maybe i think lingered a little bit more than they uh, needed on wednesday morning i could pull at a minus 15 resistance so I've reached the, the pooling goal. Um, remember, I started the spring wall on Monday. So Wednesday morning, I could do minus 15 pool. Ellie told me to stop and show her the regular static formation. And I stood for 12 seconds, which is, which is not too bad at all. And that meant I could try pushing. Ellie warned me that a 12 seconds formation is actually um, enough for the push resistance for the wall um, to pack quite the punch. So I should be pushing um, um, and be careful and be aware that I, I may be flown away to the other side of the room at any minute. And also that I should keep formation and not collapse my hands. She put it on level five. Level five, she wanted to start easy, but I, I wouldn't take any of it. I told her to put it on 15 and she scolded the hell out of me, but she did end up putting it on 12, which is not too bad. It's pretty high. And I started pushing. I was in formation. I was trying my best, but it felt like, you know, pushing a wall. I was pulling so much uh, the past uh, couple of days that I forgot how to push and Ellie went ahead to lower the resistance, but I told her, hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I got this. And I stopped. I concentrated. I got into formation again, and I let the floor push the wall. And it moved. It moved about one centimeter. Okay? And then it sprung back. That single centimeter sprung back and threw me half the room away. Barely a centimeter of wall threw me half a basketball court away. On Wednesday night, something very dangerous happened. So by, by then, I, I pushed the wall all the way on resistance level 15. And about that, that's about 30 centimeters. That's as far as it goes. And the force of the thing is incredible. I felt it during my failed attempts, and it was much, 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 much stronger than level 12. And at 30 centimeters, right? The wall is, 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 the spring is well compressed. Now, when I ran out of power at this level, level 15, 30 centimeters, it threw me all the way to the other side of the room and into the mattresses. And I sank into the mattresses on the opposite wall. However, that wasn't the dangerous thing. On one failed attempt, Ellie actually saved my life. I had fully compressed the wall at uh, 30 centimeters resistance level 15 and my formation slipped. And again, the entire time I was training, Ellie was standing behind me and she was standing exactly on the edge of the mattress where the mattress ends and the floor begins to be bare. And that's where I was standing a little bit ahead of her. And the moment I slipped, the formation slipped, and 
I just, I, I thought I was a goner because it, th- it threw me so far away. I was just, okay, it's going to kill me. Um, this wall is going to crush my head. And I felt my hands collapse like in slow motion. And then everything disappeared. I was actually flung back and up, uh, diagonally back and up at a speed and force a hundred times. And this is not an hyperbole. It's a hundred times, probably even more stronger than anything that threw me before, anything I felt before. And I was thrown into the mattresses up on the ceiling. And th- let me tell you, those mattresses are not normal. Okay. They can disperse an immense amount of force and they are deep. That room, including the mattresses, is probably not the size of one basketball court, but the size of 10. And as I like uh, sank upwards into the ceiling mattress, I, um, slowed down and just fell, fell down to the floor mattress. Now, even though I, f- I fell probably several stories down, right? Because I, I was flung up so high into the mattress. And even though the fall was so high, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't afraid of anything. It didn't even come close to the force that launched me into the ceiling in the first place. And when I landed, when I hit the floor, I heard Ellie yell, get up. And I got up a little disoriented. And she said, if you can't recover from a cushioned hit, you can't recover from a real one. She was standing with one leg deep into the ground, pressing the floor tile on her end down. And the other end where I was standing was up. And so she used it like a seesaw to launch me away from the spring wall and into the ceiling. That's that's what saved my life. And she then restored the floor and I went back to train her still standing guard. By Thursday morning, I could handle level 15 with no problem. Push or pull. This is the first time that I slept more than three hours. I woke up Thursday afternoon, right um, on time to open the door, the test door. A lot of the crew came to watch and I entered formation, pushed, and nothing. Everyone around me laughed like crazies, right? So expected, right? It, it, it as expected that they laugh as it is for me to fail. It's not going to be that simple, right? So I pushed and nothing happened. So I pulled nothing also. And everyone laughed again. Then someone yelled, um, it's a slide door. And I felt empty, like emptiness inside of me, like I could, I couldn't do this. A slide door, because I didn't know how to push or pull at an angle. And I, I knew it will do nothing because I, I, you can tell when you have no connection, you have no conductivity, that force will not flow. And so I, do, I didn't know how to do that in an angle. And everyone was quiet while I was thinking about it. I was standing there for like five minutes. And then it dawned on me that I was an idiot. <laughs> the door doesn't slide. It's the wall surrounding it that slides. Because the fort is a huge machine and you move everything. I step to the side of the door and I push the wall. Same way I pushed the, um, 
the spring wall in the training room. And that wall gave in. And now instead of sliding the door, I slid the wall around the door. The way I did it, because I couldn't push it at an angle, is that I pushed it regularly and then I just like, threw it to the side. I let it go as I shifted my hand to the side. It did actually walk and there was an opening. There was an opening. I turned around and it was dead silent. It felt like someone sucked all the air from the room. I asked Ellie if I did something wrong. You know, like, Ellie, <laughs> something, is something wrong here? And she said, no. It's just that no one did that before. She shifted the, the wall back where it was, then stood parallel to it and pushed the door handle and it slid open. So instead of, so I should, I, apparently that's the way you're supposed to do it. Um, not push to the side, but just turn yourself 90 degrees and just push straight and, and the door will slide. So um, I missed that. But that was kind of uh, nice, I guess, because I think I heard, before Ellie uh, shooed everyone away, I think I heard someone whisper that the wall is as heavy as level 30 resistance training. That's kind of nice. After they all cleared, and um, Ellie and I went inside the room, and in it, they showed me everything I asked for. I, I got to see the ownership papers of the forts, speak to the authorities to validate those papers. I spoke to the family of the missing keeper in Australia. And finally, I got to see the intel of the suspected enemy that they have. And it's a cross-government agency, a cooperation between governments, between states, that you wouldn't think even speak a word to one another. And of course, the organization can be made up by them, so I need proof that the intel was real. I guarantee it is real. I can tell you what they showed me as proof, but it is proof beyond any doubt. There is only a single item that mentions Alteria by name. It's an explanation memo, and it should be burnt after reading. I'm actually, I'm not sure I can tell you this. Okay, this this may may wait, may need to wait for the next episode. What's in this document? But it mentions Alteria clearly. I sat down trying to process everything, you know, when a crew member came in, pale as a ghost, and he couldn't compose himself, really. It was, it was shaken. And he called to Ellie, Keeper. That's how they call it, some of them. They call it Keeper. Keeper. The silver sun is on the rise. Ellie told him to gather the assistance, whatever that means, and he left. And then I saw her tear up. I had no idea what's a rising silver sun. I thought maybe he meant the moon. Now it's where the sun is and it's uh, silver. But Ellie explained that Earth's sun shines in Alteria and vice versa. And you can only see the other's sun when you are in a place with enough substance in it. So Alterians can always see Earth's sun. But on Earth, you can only, you can only see Alterian sun when you are 
in a fort because only a fort has enough substance in the substance water that it stores to see it. And on, on both sides, the other sun shines silver. I've never actually looked to the sky near the fort until she told me that, but indeed, because of that amount of substance water that's stored in the fort, a second silver sun is visible in the sky above. And it is those rays from the sun that allow the gate to be open. And the way it's kept closed, it, it, it is kept closed is by covering a, a big portion of it or, or blocking the rays from hitting the ground. And that's how the keepers keeps the, keep the gate closed. And one keeper blocking is enough in a single location. And so the, the five keepers have to, it's called relent for the sun to rise and the gate to be open. And the silver sun is on the rise. Is It means that a keeper relented and now the sun is uncovered somewhere and thus it shines brighter. And Ellie wiped her tears and she said, the Australian keeper is dead. Do you still want to continue? I couldn't back down after what they showed me. A bunch of clueless governments think they know what's best for everyone and they are willing to shove that down our throats using force? No, I, I, I don't think so. Ellie sent me to sleep and I went home the next day, which was a Friday, I think. Tomorrow we are going on a road trip. Ellie suspects the Israeli fort may be the next one after the Australian fort to be raided, so she is going to train me even faster. And how do you train faster than fastest? Well, you start by drinking a lot of water. Got to get up, got to keep on moving.